You're listening to Force Friends Rewatch, a Star Wars TV show podcast. From Rebels to Resistance and The Mandalorian to Ewoks, we've got you covered. Here's your warning, there will be spoilers. And there will be swearing, because our host just gets so gonk darn excited to talk about these good, good shows. Welcome to Force Friends Rewatch. I'm your host, Andy. And I'm Ryan. On Force Friends Rewatch, we watch Star Wars television shows, and then we talk about them. We have been doing a a long coverage of Mandalorians in Star Wars TV. We started with The Clone Wars. We watched every Mando-themed episode of that. Then we moved on to Rebels, and now we are covering The Mandalorian Season 1. We are currently covering Episode 3. The Sin, and instead of a bit that Ryan would normally have, we have a guest. Oh, me? Yeah! <laughs> sorry, Absolutely. I could have like, said your name, I'm sorry. We're like- joined today by Twitch streamer and Twitter personality, yeah. uh, Joe Organa. That's me, hi. Thank you for Hello, having me. Hello, Joe. Hi, thank, thank you. you. Hi, hi, hi. Thank you so much for coming. Uh, course, I'm so excited that you're here. Yeah, I'm excited to be here. Uh, so we, you and I met on Twitter mm-hmm. from a, uh, just a, a random Twitter account. I don't think I even knew who the person was, but it's just like, follow these gay Star Wars nerds. Oh, that's so nice. And I was tagged in it. You were tagged in it. I think Pink Milk was tagged in it. I think Mark mm. was tagged in it. It was mm. all a bunch of really... People like really cool people with way more followers than me, <laughs> and yeah. I was like, "Oh, I don't know who these guys are, but they're all rad as fuck, and I'm gonna follow them." And yeah. uh, you turned out to be just uh, an absolutely delightful person. Oh, thank you so much. That's very nice of you to say, but I am awful, and I'm gonna do my best to <laughs> seem like a nice person. <laughs> that's that's my whole mo: just seeming nice. Uh, I mean, I, I I guess seeming nice mm-hmm. is better than seeming uh, like a dick. It's so, all that matters on the internet, baby. As long as I seem nice on the internet, people will follow me, and that's all that really matters, right? Yeah, I always I always <laughs> tell people uh, if it if pretending to be my friend will get you to support our Patreon, then yeah, I'm your best friend. Yeah, yeah. yeah. By the way, you should support us on Patreon. Uh, Patreon slash WTM Radio. Uh, it's great. Give us your money. But, uh, <laughs> besides that, Joe, how did you get into Star Wars? Um, I got into Star Wars as a little kid. I remember the first time I ever heard of Star Wars, I got, like, Chris, like a birthday gift in, like, in, like, um, maybe kindergarten, that era, at that age. I think it was first grade, uh-huh. actually. And I got a, a birthday gift from someone, and it was around the time that George Lucas was hyping up Star Wars for the re-release in like '96, mm-hmm. it might have been. I think it was '95 that I got this present or whatever. It's my birthday's in December, um, and I got a gift, and it was like a a, a little uh, sort of playset of Jabba the Hutt's palace, and it had like Princess Leia on the cover and Jabba the Hutt, and I had no idea what was going on, so it was very intriguing. You know, obviously, I was like what um, in '95, I was probably like six or seven. And so, you know, I was like, what is this? And I, you know, I asked my dad what it was and he was like, oh, well, that's Star Wars. And he was a, he's a big Star Wars nerd. And we had, um, up until that point, we had been watching Star Trek together because, um, that was just like something we both really enjoyed. And so he was like, let me show you Star Wars. And so I remember we sat down in the living room and I like, I was sitting in a cardboard box. I remember very specifically the first time I saw Star Wars. I was sitting in a cardboard box and my dad was sitting on the couch behind me and I was not really paying attention. I was sort of playing with a toy or whatever. And then as it's, as it started, you know, you get the, that intro music and the title card. And obviously that caught my attention because it's so loud, you know, da, 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 like it immediately caught my attention. And I, I think I was hooked immediately because the first real character that I saw was Princess Leia. And like that immediately, you know, you see a beautiful princess. I'm like, my little gay ass is going to be excited. <laughs> and so I was immediately drawn into this story about this princess who is like a badass and fighting 
this big scary dude in a black you know as a seven-year-old that's the first thing you're gonna see and you're gonna be hooked right sure. away right it's it was made for kids yeah it melts your brain yeah uh, i always i always <laughs> tell i always used to tell my dad like you showed it to me too young and it melted my brain and now yep. i'm obsessed with it forever same <laughs> same happily having a mushy brain for the rest of my life so were were you from that point on were you kind of always a hardcore fan did your fandom like wane and then kind of resurge over the years um i think i was always a hardcore fan i think the only time it waned for a very brief period was high school because it was high school age you know high school age it always changes but i think um it, it also was because in 2005 when revenge of the sith came out the last movie i was 16 so i saw that very hyped and then it was over in my mind i was like okay, Star Wars is kind of over, that's it. You know, that's the way it felt like, you know, with the way George Lucas had felt in interviews and stuff like that. It seemed like Star Wars was done. And it was for a very long time. And so I think me being 16 at that teenage um, sort of angsty time in my life and also Star Wars ending, that sort of dulled my um, fandom for about two years. And then I got into college started smoking a bunch of pot and kind of rediscovering my childhood at like 18, 19, which is weird to say because, you know, 16 was just two years ago that I was too cool for Star Wars. But I think at like 18, 19, being away from home for the first time and just like sort of experiencing life as an adult, I was like, wait a minute, I'm an adult now. I can do whatever the fuck I want. And so I'm going to enjoy the shit I enjoy, which included alcohol and Star Wars. And so that's what I did. And I was supported by a bunch of really cool people that I met. And so, yeah, that's it. Uh, and I've been a, a nerd ever since. What about with uh, your your Twitch streaming and, uh, you know, making content for the internet? How has that influenced uh, your fandom? Oh, man. You know, it, with Twitch streaming, I want to... <laughs> I want to play, like, Star Wars games. We don't have that many Star Wars games right now. I do love Battlefront 2. Um, I was, like, with the first Battlefront that came out in, what, 2015, was it? Yeah. I I literally played that so much that I had um, to wear a brace on my wrist because I would I had such a routine. Oh, my God. I would come home from work. I would sit down on my couch, make dinner. While the dinner was cooking, I would play Battlefront. I would play Battlefront for about an hour and a half. I would... At that time, go to the gym. I went to the gym for about an hour to two hours, and then I would come home and play Battlefront for the rest of the night, and then go to bed and do that every single day for for like years. I did that until Battlefront Two came out, and then I switched over to Battlefront Two. And Battlefront Two, for whatever reason, didn't hit me as well. I think it was. I liked twenty fifteen better. Me too. I know that's not a popular opinion, but no, I was the same way. I liked that. You could build your own builds very freely. Mm-hmm. I loved that. Like, I didn't have to, like, be a sniper or whatever. I could, like, switch up my builds whichever way I wanted in a really fun way. I loved that. Um, I, I also... loved if your buddy got a certain hero, you mm-hmm. could come in as their, like, entourage. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, Leo I always thought that was super yeah, fun. Yeah, so, like, if, fun. If you got to be Luke, then your buddies could be Wedge and Biggs in the spaceships. If oh, you... Right, right. Got Krennic, your pals mm-hmm. could be the Death Troopers. Yep. I thought that was rad as fuck. Yeah. And I also think the map design was superior in the first one. I felt like the maps were very, like, they're beautiful, especially, the, like, the later ones that they came out with. But I felt like just, like, I don't know, man. I'm an, also an OT stan. Um, so I loved that the first one was all original trilogy. Because <laughs> I'm, I just, I'm a big stan of the original trilogy. Because that's what I knew as a kid. But um, I, I still loved uh, two, and I still play it. Um, but, uh, what was I saying? Oh, I would, I was saying, I don't, I don't play that. I play that on PS4 and the games I play uh, for Twitch are on the internet. And Mm -hmm. also I feel like a lot of my audience doesn't really come for the Star Wars content, which is crazy. I know because I'm so big on the Star Wars Twitter verse. Um, but I would love to play some more Star Wars games. Please just release more Star Wars games and I'll stream more Star Wars games. Please. <laughs> I uh I I have a uh pilot for the Rebel Legion, uh which is a, a cosplay group, a costuming Ooh. group that that's charity. And um when Battlefront twenty fifteen came out, uh 
I whipped out my uh, pilot helmet and would wear my pilot helmet while playing. <laughs> That's uh, so cute. And doing, I love that. Doing, <laughs> doing the trench run while wearing the pilot helmet was just like a, a fucking experience. A whole other And like, yeah. I would play old school Battlefront uh, wearing my Stormtrooper helmet because I used to be 501st and that was fun. But um, yeah, Battlefront 2, uh, I feel like the, in some ways the space maps were better. Mm. But um hugely disappointed that there wasn't a real uh, trench run map or mm. yeah, uh, I feel like was... it would have been cool with the second Death Star if we could have like flown into the reactor core and yeah. blown it up. I it's was just like, kind of bummed that they, they didn't have that. My all time favorite Battlefront Starfighter mission is the uh, the Imperial Space Station Fondor map in the new Battlefront 2. Mm. I just there's something about that. It's a good but I think it's because it has trench run vibes. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. yeah, like the inside of the ship and stuff. Yeah, mm-hmm. I understand what you mean. I think for whatever reason, EA really dropped the ball in with Battlefront Two. Not because it wasn't a great game, because it was. It genuinely was a great game, and it still is a great game. Um, I just don't think that they uh, allocated enough resources to it. I think if they yeah. had a mm-hmm. bigger team on it, they could have put together a lot more content. And, like, I was willing to pay for a ton of cosmetics, and they barely released any. Like, yeah. I was willing. I would, Like, I'll pay 20 bucks for, like, a great Princess Leia outfit. Give it to me. You know what I mean? Um, I, I, I have no like, problem paying money for stuff that doesn't make, right. like, give me an edge. Right. Like, oh, yeah. if, it's yeah. cool, if it's a cool cosmetic or a cool uh, victory pose or a cool, like, little celebration emote totally. or whatever, I'll drop the money on it for oh, sure. Oh, my God. Absolutely. But, Listen, yeah. I'm a, I, I, I would pay I would pay way too much money for cosmetics, and I do already in the game that I I, I play a lot of Dead by Daylight on um, Twitch, which I don't know if the you know listeners know that at all, but it's like a, a horror game, and it's like fun, and it's whatever, and there's a big part of it is cosmetics, and so I I mean I spent wait I spent hundreds of dollars on cosmetics for that game. I'm whispering right now. Um, <laughs> I spent hundreds of dollars on cosmetics for that game. So I if they had had like Star Wars in that or arena where they're giving us like a ton of crazy costumes like costumes from comic books costumes that were described in novels even all the costumes from um the movies because there was honestly barely any i would have i would have been paying for all of them and i think they would have really been making money on this game if they had just supported it better it just felt like it had a small team on it and they were concentrating on big things like new maps and whatever but that that is like so far and few in between because it takes so long to make a new map you know what i mean I feel like that's where squadrons dropped the ball too because yeah. they were like it's only going to be 40 bucks and we're not going to charge you any money after release and i was like but then where's the support for the game gonna be i i'm over ea i i, I don't think that they're very smart um, don't get me wrong <laughs> period i guess i will stop I loved Squadrons. Uh, yeah. I played it for maybe two months straight, but right. like, what there's you, only so, so much. much. Right. Yeah. And with it not being supported, like, anymore with new content, and them saying, like, we're not going to charge you anymore, like, look, I'll buy a season pass if it means you're going to keep pumping out content oh my God, for a exactly. game and supporting it. And that's like, that's just thing. where the, the, the video game industry is, or like, if you got to do cosmetic loot crates to keep the, you know, uh, you know, invested in producing more content, I'll buy a bunch of cosmetic loot crates. Just don't make it shit that, you know, is pay to win. Right. And that's what I think also the first Battlefront um, from 2015 did really well was I like I paid for the seasons and I was happy to do it because I was in love with the game and. I don't know, man. I just feel well, like the, the, the new shit model was, was so good. It was. It was like, amazing. Oh my god! The, the outer the, rim expansion was my was favorite. Incredible. Yeah, seeing all that um, stuff. Oh my god! The, and the heroes were fun to play. The game mode where uh, you got to infiltrate and steal the 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 kind of cart and then yes. like escort it to that the finish line. That was my favorite. Oh, that was my I love favorite. That. That's the so that's good. the Kessel one, right? It came out around Solo. They uh, no. they brought it back for no, the Kessel first one, yeah, but it was it first got in... It. Okay. Yeah, and... And it was so much uh, better in the first one, it really when, was. 
Cloud, Cloud City was dope, and I was Cloud really City hoping was they would amazing. have that yeah. same game mode, but escorting Carbonite Han. Right. They didn't, but the, the the sabotage game mode was still great in Cloud City, where you so got to sabotage good. the freezing chambers, and all the enemy oh, bounty hunters God. are there. I miss Fun. that game. I want to play it. Good game. Great game. I also just felt like the big modes were better. I, I find um, the game mode now where you capture points and then move to the enemy ship really it, sometimes it'll take so long it'll be like an hour-long game and it's so repetitive because you just yeah, keep going back and that. forth and i i i do play it and i do enjoy it but i just i just find it very repetitive sometimes and it, it takes a lot I, of me. i really hate short heroes i don't think they should be in in Star Wars games, like, don't get me wrong, I love the character of yeah. BB-8, and I love Yoda, but yeah, they're don't very hard put them in games. They're, they're, they're not fun like uh, to, to be killed by. Yeah. Um, uh, I mean, it's never fun to die in a video game, I but when it's he, by, by BB-8 or Yoda, it sucks. If you just gave him a bigger hitbox, like, it yeah. doesn't need to hit visually, just give him a bigger hitbox so that it's a little bit fair, because it is very difficult to kill them. Um, yeah. Uh, but whatever, it is what it is. I I still enjoy the game and I'm having fun with it. It is it is still a fun game. Yeah. Uh, I haven't played it in a while, but it it is a good game. Um, well, we are here to talk about the Mandalorian. <laughs> yes. So episode three recap. I'm going to do this lightning quick because there's also <laughs> not a whole lot of I would say heavy plot stuff in this. It's a lot of really fun action. Mm-hmm. But uh, Mando uh, delivers Baby Yoda to the the client, and um, immediately has buyer's remorse. He gets his ice cream <laughs> maker full of, um, I was gonna say latinum, but that's Star Trek. <laughs> Fuck, uh, Beskar. He gets his uh, he gets his ice cream maker full of Beskar. He goes to the the armorer. Uh, he has a dick, uh, measuring contest with a a big hefty boy and, uh, he gets a new sexy, sexy suit of armor. He walks around town, uh, and, you know, shows it off a bit and is like, fuck, I'm full of regret. He goes back and, uh, just has a field day murdering stormtroopers left, right, and center. He rescues the baby. Um... I'm blanking on the actor's name again. The scientist boy. The cute oh, the scientist. Mm-hmm. Omido Tai is the actor. Uh, yeah. Dr. Pershing is the character. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just just adorable. Um, scares that poor, sad little twink and uh, rescues the baby and then tries to get to his ship and um, all the all the bounty hunters are like, that ain't happening. And there's a very classic, like, cowboy shoot 'em up in the middle of town. Uh, even more so on the Western vibes this episode than I think the first one, which felt very cowboy-y. Uh, but then the cavalry comes in and a bunch of Mandos show up and help him out. And he runs for it with the baby. And that's the end of the episode. Uh, it's, it's real quick uh, as far as plot, but heavy, heavy on cool action and some just nice, like tough guy one-liners. So what worked for y'all with this episode? Um, well, for me personally, I, I really liked this episode. I think it was really exciting to see a big group of Mandalorians in live action for the first time in a battle. That was really cool, right? That's the first yeah, time we've seen I, that. I would go so far as to say currently the only time we get, that episode in season two with four Mandos, mm-hmm. but yeah, but this was the biggest. This yeah. is I mean, this was like twenty. There were like I think it's like ten. They they posted. Okay. I devoured it. They posted all of because they're mostly CG, and they posted all of the different Mandos that they modeled for the sequence, which was awesome. And I think it was about ten, including uh, Big Hefty Boy. Mm. Love it. We love uh, Hefty Man. So much Still personality huge. with each one. Yeah. Like, yeah. There's one that doesn't even have uh, armor, just the helmet and like a whole bunch of cool tactical gear. Like they're all very different. Yeah. You really got a sense of like their different personalities. 
just in the way that they yeah. fought in that scene, and uh, it was really cool. It it truly gave me the vibe of being a little kid, seeing Attack of the Clones, and uh, Dooku goes like, "You're greatly outnumbered," and Mace goes, "I don't think so." <laughs> and then all of the the montage of all these lightsabers uh, yeah. igniting and Jedi doing cool hero poses that's what it felt like of yeah. like this mando comes down as like you're not alone and then a bunch of mandos pop up yeah it's fucking rad very cool you know what worked for me and it's a weird thing that i haven't really ever seen anybody else comment on uh and i think i mentioned it briefly when we covered chapter one i love that the armorer refers to his new chest plate as a cuirass and that she called the shoulder a pauldron Mm-hmm. because that's like medieval French English armor terminology. And I've always loved that the Mandalorians themselves as the ultimate warrior group are sort of an amalgam of warrior groups from throughout history. Like there's some Maori tradition in there because of Tamwara. There's uh, a lot of the Clone Wars stuff was inspired by like modern Nordic aesthetics, but also Vikings. And now bringing the medieval element in. And Din's armor is very medieval. I I love that. I love the fleshing out of the Mandalorians with elements of our own world's warrior races. I thought the armor was super fascinating in season one. Um, and like hearing about these rules about not being able to remove the helmet and like yeah. this kind of mantra of this is the way. And you... Um, being uh, someone who escaped the evangelical church, um, you know, I I always have it on my. I can pick up on cult shit uh, pretty easily on my radar. You know, I see mm. I see yellow flags everywhere. It's the PTSD, mm. uh, but it has served me well. Did and you really? Find, did you really get a sense that he was in a cult this se- in the first I, season? I thought that there had to be an explanation for the 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 no helmet thing the mm. no removing the helmet thing because that mm-hmm. just doesn't jive right. with what we've seen right, right, right and um my thought was that he was in some sort of extremist sect and the that what really set my my radar off on that was the the mantra of din and the big boy are at each other's throats and the armor diffuses the situation and then says, this is the way, and everyone repeats it back to her. Mm. That's cult shit. That's, mm-hmm. that's yeah. like textbook, evangelical type of shit. Um, but then finding out in season two that, like, it is a cult, uh, I'm super fascinated now with the armor. Yeah. Um, and rewatching it with that knowledge now for sure has been really fun to see these interactions. Yeah. And you have that knowledge that's why we do this podcast that way yeah heck yeah because you get to look back with insight from having seen newer seasons if we were doing it week to week which there are tons of great shows that do week to week breakdowns um you can kind of theorize but it's fun to go back with the 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 knowledge totally the the thing it ain't called force friends first time watch (laughs) we don't have the patent no and I love me, I love me some cult shit. Like I'm, re- I'm very non-religious, um, and so like I think I'm very fascinated, fascinated by like cults and like super religious people, and like I'm always watching documentaries about it because it genuinely just like really fascinates me. Just because I'm so the opposite, I think that mm-hmm. I'm, I'm always like really interested in the way people's minds can be like twisted or like that like sort of delusion, um, that a lot of these people in these like, um brainwash situation like cult situations um are in and it, it like it always i always find it so fascinating so i love that he's uh part of a cult and he those walls are coming down and he's i would love to find out more about it i hope we do find out more about it in the third season i can't sure wait to have. see him talk to the armorer again yeah yeah i do not think she is going to be a heroic figure no i don't think she'll be thrilled that he one oh. has deprogrammed himself. He's taken the helmet off. He's made friends outside of the sect, which is always a big no-no for cults. And then two, that he now has the dark saber. I right. don't think she'll be thrilled that 
Oh, that's gonna be a whole he, mess. He he has you know stepped out from under her instruction, and in a lot of ways, uh, you know, perhaps surpassed her, uh, power wise speaking, Ooh. with the influence he now has. Well, cult leaders don't like it when no. uh, you have more power than they do. Oh my god, do you think she's the leader, or do you think there's someone higher up? Uh, she seemed, uh, I get the vibe that she is leading that sect of the followers of the way. I don't know if she answers to someone. It did, it did feel like, um, that they maybe had a network because Din was like looking for members of Mm -hmm. that group. I like, would, I would love for them to explore that. And maybe like, she's the leader of that sect or whatever. And she's sort of like the um the pre-boss before he gets to that boss level and like really has to take out the big bad of that cult i i would I, please give me some of that i'm into like that kind of that whole it's very sexy to me that's very sexy mm-hmm. i love that idea a lot of clone wars flashbacks seeing the super battle droids again was super cool mm-hmm. uh i don't think they've ever looked that good in live action which no. was Mm-mm. uh really really cool <laughs> they they felt very sinister very cool. And I just did a rewatch of Revenge of the Sith for the Pink Belt podcast. So I uh, was thinking about that a lot and how far that CGI has come. Because honestly, the Mandalorian looks great. And maybe in 10 years it won't look great. But right now to me, it looks great. And I'm, I was so pleased that they're working in that prequel era stuff into the Mandalorian a lot. Like there's a lot of nods to it. And I love that. I love... Din's rifle, and it got a lot of really oh. fun action. Yeah. Uh, this episode, uh, he got to stab some people with it. He got to shoot some people with it. It was very fun. Uh, you know, the the notion that uh, you know, we're super outnumbered, but uh, if one of you pokes out, I'm gonna shoot that one. So y'all <laughs> talk amongst yourselves. Who's gonna uh, step out first? Very cowboy shit. It reminded me of the uh, the old uh, Magnificent Seven TV show from like two thousand two, uh, which no one remembers but me. Uh, got two seasons. But, I was gonna say uh, I didn't even know that existed. And there's like there's there's a character uh, who's the card shark character, and uh, you know he's in a bar and he cheated some people, and they're like we're gonna stab you, and he like whips out a derringer from his pocket. And they're like, you only got one shot in that that pea shooter. And he goes, then I guess you must talk amongst yourselves which one of you is going to die. And uh, <laughs> then being like, that's a really cool rifle, Din. And he's like, yeah, I'm going to disintegrate one of you motherfuckers. Step out. Good stuff. Also, that yeah, show love- might be terrible. I don't know if it holds up, but I liked it when I was a kid. I love his rifle. I am an unapologetic Star Wars holiday special junkie. Somewhat ironic, somewhat unironic. I love it. And that is the biggest nod that we've seen to that special. I've never seen that special, honestly. It's it's an experience. It is an experience. I have a bootleg copy that I got uh, from a man in a coat uh, carrying a briefcase. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Uh, at, a, at a convention. Uh, he had it for 20 bucks and I talked him down to five. Uh, <laughs> uh, the it is, point, it's got the commercials still in it and everything. Oh, beautiful. It has to. Yeah. And at the halfway point, uh, for no real reason, while the Empire is raiding their house, Chewbacca's son watches a propaganda cartoon uh, <laughs> about the first time that his father and his friends encountered Boba Fett. And mm-hmm. Boba Fett has that rifle, and for some reason, a uh, dinosaur. Yeah, check it out. That segment alone is on Disney Plus. Ooh. Oh, is it now? Yes, it is. That's it's under Star Wars Vintage, and it's listed as the story of the faithful Wookiee. It's honestly like good. Like it's a little weird, but <laughs> Mark Hamill weird. gives a good voice performance. Oh, definitely. It it and it's the you know it's the the legendary first appearance of Boba Fett. I have only ever seen it on a really grainy, shitty DVD. So watching it uh, with 
you know, potentially decent quality would be very fun. It's very decent quality. Uh, Ten years ago, when the Star Wars saga got a Blu-ray release, the team secretly found the master and remastered it and buried it on one of the special features discs. Mm. And it is high def. And that's the version on Disney+. Plus. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. Um. I like Dr. Pershing. I want to see more of him. Yeah. Uh, I like that we get him again in season two. Uh, did he die? Is he still alive? He did not die. He still got alive. his ear shot off. Yeah. Okay. I hope we see him again in season three or Book of Boba Fett or something. Um, I, I just, think we have to. There's I, too many I, unresolved questions about the baby. Do they still yeah. have his ass? Do they still have his ass in the ship? Did they give him up? I don't remember. That's a good question. He might have Boba been might... on Slave One still with Boba Fett. Yeah, I, I think he. So, I think... Yeah. I mean, I could see why Boba Fett would maybe want to keep a cloner around. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, he has um, the the patch. Yeah, and we we really don't know what Boba Fett's motivations are, with like going back to Jabba's palace, and we don't really know what state Doctor Pershing is in or what his motivations are because uh as we brought up in the first episode with the rewatch Pershing uh desperately wants the child alive and uh is is very vocal about wanting the child to be safe mm-hmm. with uh when he thinks that like they're under attack in this episode but the client was like oh yeah bring the kid dead i don't care mm-hmm. yeah. so Pershing seems to have um some more morals than the people he's working with yeah i think so. Uh, i also think he's gay i do too my head canon uh he sucked that genie's dick in the first season of american gods which was a good season and it's great so i just kind of whenever i see that actor i'm like oh yeah he sucked dick (laughs) (laughs) yeah uh who won it i mean in that it's a great episode it's a really fucking good episode um of american gods which mm-hmm. you know went downhill very job. quick uh what else i love that the stormtrooper armor is shitty and doesn't fit yeah like yeah. it as someone who used to wear our stormtrooper armor frequently uh it is uh hard to put on it is uh uncomfortable to walk around in and um if you're wearing someone else's armor it's noticeable and these dudes are not wearing armor that was made for them. And I love that little detail. Yeah, it seems like they've had uh, better times. And I I think we kind of skipped that whole first part, which is like a great scene. Because I love that these guys are really starting to get desperate. They're kind of, they definitely smell. I can smell the musk from uh, through the screen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it's very cool. They're, they're not into that, like... Um, imperial uh regiment anymore uh they're going against the grain they're not listening to rules they're not like following orders as closely as they had been and um it really shows and it's really cool to see the remnant of the empire um and what that looks like it's really cool as a an, i because i read a lot of the star wars novels and there's a lot of that in the novels and it's mm-hmm. really cool to see in live action yeah, that Aftermath was, is the first time uh, that really gets explored, right? A great, a great series. If you love Aftermath. Aftermath, I love it. So we good. we are we are Aftermath junkies in these parts. Oh, I love Aftermath. That was something that was uh, even explored in Battlefront 2015. That to some degree was a gameplay like cosmetic choice, but they then uh, followed like explored it in canon. Was the stormtroopers? You could uh, not wear your helmet, mm-hmm. and I remember oh God, some yeah. like. Some like hardcore fans were like, stormtroopers always wear their helmets. You shouldn't be able to have a stormtrooper without a helmet. And then in Aftermath, it talked about how stormtroopers were uh, hobbling their armor together and like some were walking around without helmets and some were missing, you know, the shin guards or the the, uh, the bracers and whatnot. And uh, to see these stormtroopers in shitty, dirty armor that doesn't fit them. And uh, is 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 looking extremely like raggedy, mm-hmm. uh, even in season two where uh, they they sne- they infiltrate that imperial base. Um, those guys looked better than these ones. Like mm-hmm. <laughs> you can tell, these guys are 
are you know in the in the fucking hicks yeah yeah so much fun anything else this episode that really stood out for you um obviously the action was great uh i loved um when din shoots uh jesus i'm doing it again he shot jesus no the (laughs) the 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 bounty hunter man grief karga Grief Karga. I'm going to remember Grief Karga's name one of these days. Uh, he's a great character, too. Uh, I don't know why I keep doing this whenever we hit the record button. But Din shooting at Grief and hitting the uh, the payment, the, the best car, right? Did I, did yeah. I imagine that? No, he yeah, he hits yeah. the best car. That's fucking, like, classic cowboy shit mm-hmm. where, you know... Uh, in in some things it's like a Bible, or in other things it's like a wad of money. You know, that's that's like a classic, uh, fucking Western thing. And I loved you know seeing that in Star Wars, but it's a it's a bar of uh of Beskar. Yeah, that was really. I cool. thought that, I thought that was fun. So fun. I was upset when he shot him because I I like Carl Weathers, and yeah. I, I thought it was over. I was so relieved. It was a good fake out for sure. Uh, sometimes, yeah. you know, they do those sort of fake outs and it, it feels cheap or it doesn't feel like the, uh, the payoff was really there, but yeah. no, I thought that was a great little, uh, uh, little, little twist. Yeah. I loved it. And obviously they were really, uh, hinting at that whole Western thing. And so it's, I think it's a lot of fun. I'm really into that sort of thing. Um, yeah. another thing I loved about this episode was like that emotional, roller coaster that Din went on after dropping the baby off because Grogu, that little look Grogu gave Din as he was being wheeled back. How heartbreaking was that? I thinking about it now, I could just cry. Just like his little eyes all the way to the side and his head turned. Oh, am I remembering that right? Is that the right scene? Yeah. I want to cry just thinking about it. It was so emotional. And then him like leaving with the money and then he, you, you could tell he, his heart was not into it right away. And, he went back and it was just like seeing him as a character because at this point he's still just you know he's a bounty hunter and so like seeing him already growing emotionally and as a character i think is really important like i think that this is a really important episode because of that this is the first time we see him really growing as a, as a person also giving that sort of emotional performance from behind the helmet is right. incredible yeah well pedro pascal can do anything including me. <laughs> I loved that uh, this is the first episode where Grogu goes to play with the uh, the gear shift in the spaceship, yeah. the little silver ball. <laughs> so and watching, watching it after having finished season two and seeing Grogu leave and like what the, the, the little ball has like begun to mean to Din and to the fandom... Uh, seeing little Grogu play with it for the first time, uh, watching it today broke my my heart. Yeah, I feel so sad, especially with him being away from Din and being off in Luke's fucking school. Uh, I don't know how I feel about that whole thing. Have we talked about the theory that Grogu is so attached to the little aluminum ball with the blue top because... He may have been saved from the Jedi Temple by a silver astromech droid with a blue top. I don't want to t- say anything, but I have tea on this. And I'm not going to say oh? it on the stream. Oh, gosh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know a thing or two. I have sources Boy. on the inside. Oh. And I, I've I heard a thing or two about this topic. And I'm not going to talk about it. I, gotcha. I will just say, Ryan, are you talking about R2-D2? How did you know that? Okay, just checking. Um, I don't see how that would have been possible because yeah. R2 went with Anakin to Mustafar. Right. But before that, he was with where Anakin was he when time, Anakin he? he well R2 would have been at the Jedi Temple because that's where Anakin's fighter was. But what was he doing while Anakin was making poor decisions? If R2 only saved one kid and not any of the other ones true or alerted anyone I think I think that is out of R2's character but uh, I mean, now Grogu is the size for 
R2 to put inside his body. So maybe that's why he shoved that kid in there. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> maybe. Like, the hell would he- that means that Grogu would have been on Mustafar while Padme was being choked out. Oh god. No, because then Grogu would have been in the vacuum of space. He he wouldn't have. No, there's no way. I mean, I don't. I think Grogu, yeah. at the very least, has encountered R two. Sure. And the the ball, because the ball does really look like R two when you look at it, especially when you're under the influence. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we know Grogu's a big time drinker. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh oh boy. Um. <laughs> This is a good episode. It's a fun episode. It's it's a ton of action. All of the action is very fun. Uh, the whistling birds, fucking cool. Oh, I love that. Fucking cool. Flamethrower shit, always good times. Uh, seeing stormtroopers just get wrecked mm. uh, is great, especially because these are not first order stormtroopers. They were not kidnapped as children and brainwashed. These are people who, uh, you know probably joined the empire willingly. Uh, so it's, you know, especially at this point, you know, the empire yeah. has fallen. So these guys are really they're, just yeah. the worst. The real settlers. Yeah. Yeah. They're still, I mean, alphabet squadron shows that there were like places you could go to defect safely and, you know, be interned until you found your place in the Republic and they're still hanging on. Yeah. Um, yeah. Any anything that you guys wish had been better, or anything that you maybe would have changed? Huh. Um, I, I honestly, the first time I watched it, and I don't really remember because obviously this was what two years ago, a year ago now. I definitely felt a little confused about the concept of the Mandalorians living underground secretly on a, this random planet. I definitely, and like, why, it was, I remember being very confused, like, about the whole battle, and how they randomly showed up, but I mean, it's not a real complaint, I just remember, I was probably drunk when I watched it the first time, I'll be honest. Well, so. I, I think there was a lot of confusion in the fandom about what the fuck was going on with right. these mandos. Right, and also because they're in the, the um, cult, which we didn't know at that time, so I think- yeah that also contributed to it. I was like, why are they in, uh, you know, why are they in the sewer right now? And I think they could have maybe telegraphed a little bit more to the audience that, uh, these guys were not normal Mandalorians Mm. that reveal with Bo-Katan in season two is super cool and i think a lot of the like hardcore fans were like aha it makes sense now Mm. but this is a lot of people's first time watching anything with mandalorians besides you know empire and return of the jedi right right right. so um yeah i think they could have maybe telegraphed that a little stronger for us yeah because it was really confusing it was like this doesn't make sense why doesn't why doesn't it make sense yeah I don't know if I have any real complaints other than um, this episode uh, almost felt like a season finale. And that's not necessarily a complaint, but maybe like um, I the 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 idea of Din like giving up the child and then coming back for it felt almost rushed to me. Like, I think if there had been another episode or two of Din hanging out with the baby and really debating what to do with it. Um, I think maybe it would have felt a little stronger. So but. the, there's actually a study on this. I wish I could find it. People will give a streaming series three episodes, like almost across the board. Mm. If you're not a Star Wars fan, you're going to give a Star Wars series three episodes before you decide if it's for you. And I feel like these three episodes were planned and then the rest of the season was planned. Mm. So I think in some ways it is a season finale because they knew that like, if you're not on board at the end of this, uh, this was the make or break. Right. Hmm. 
That makes sense. Ryan, it's anything real- you would have changed or done differently? Uh, give Werner Herzog, like, 30 more minutes of dialogue. Yeah. Because I love that man's <laughs> voice. Yeah. He was a great villain. Oh, man. He, Would make it he only did it because he didn't He didn't want to do the job. He did it because he couldn't get funding for some documentary he's working on now and figured this will pay for it. <laughs> and then he saw the baby and he, he said, uh, what did he say? He said, I went to the showrunners and I told them, if you dare do this character with CGI, you are cowards. This needs to be a physical being. Yeah. He said, I love that. Show me the oh. baby. <laughs> I want to, like see, to the see the baby. It's oh, very man. good. Yeah, no, I, I, I really don't have anything besides uh, what you said about maybe more clarity on the nature of these Mandalorians for the general audience. Uh, mm-hmm. This was, you know, I was going to stick through this show no matter what, but if I yeah, was some casual fan who had seen these movies once, maybe twice, I think this episode would have been my third episode hook and I'd be it. Fucking vibro knives, dope. Oh man, yeah, so that's cool. a uh, that's an old school legends throwback. But this is the first time we really see them do their thing, right? Yeah, we've definitely seen uh, like characters on Jabba's sail barge where you know that's an axe, but it's a Star Wars axe, so it's a vibro axe. But we never saw the like, uh, you know, for lack of a better word, the vibrating ness <laughs> of it. Uh, There's not a better word. That's what it yeah, is. The <laughs> the electricity kind of going through it. It was really cool. Uh, it was a fun, fun uh, bit of action there, uh, raking it across uh, the big boy's chest plate. Yeah, yeah. it's a great episode. It's real fun, yeah. real exciting. A uh, bit of a swashbuckling kind of to it. Some some cowboy shoot 'em up action. Um, yeah, I don't think I have anything else to say either, so I guess we will wrap. Uh, Joe, yeah. where can people find you? What are you oh doing? Gosh. What's going on? Um, people can find me on Twitter and Twitch at just say no to Joe. Um, and that's really it. I mean, I'm on Instagram and stuff, but don't follow me there. Follow me on Twitter or Twitch. That would be the best place to check me out. What do I have going on? Oh, man. Um, just wrapped a huge movie. Um, really excited about that. Uh, my first leading role, Oscars 2022, here I come. Just kidding, <laughs> I have nothing going on. I'm just sitting at home, petting my cats and watching Star Wars. That's it. You guys, there's uh, nothing better. <laughs> occasionally th- uh, posting thirst traps, which I always appreciate. Yes, Thank you, Joe. Posting, yes, exactly. That's it. You're welcome. You're you're out there doing it for, yeah. for the lads, and we appreciate it. Giving the boys the content um, they want. We got uh, a message from a fan, uh, which was really kind, and it, it was from uh, a listener named Ben, who is a, a a friend of mine from back in Philly, and he said that he loves our podcast, but he gets embarrassed because he tries to respond to us. He feels <laughs> like he's talking to his friends, and he wants to chime in, and he has to catch That's himself. That's so cute. Uh, I love and that. And it was really nice. Thank you, Ben. Uh, thank you for you, listening. Thank you, Ben. Uh, thank you for the kind feedback. Uh, we do thrive on adoration. Uh, and if you want to give us adoration, you can follow us on Twitter at force friends pod. Uh, if you really want to give us adoration, you can give us, uh, you can support us by, um, going to Patreon slash WTM radio. Uh, we are adding a third podcast to Mm. our family. It is called fan fiction is good. Actually. And by the time this comes out, uh, I believe the preview and maybe even the first episode of it will have dropped. Uh, It is a serious um, and critical look at fan fiction from uh, different people uh, in different areas of uh, fandom and entertainment from authors to uh, people who run LARPs uh, to popular fan fiction writers. And uh, it's uh unapologetically a celebration of fan fiction uh there are a ton of fan fiction podcasts out there that are kind of poking fun at it and kind of in a a tongue-in-cheek way looking at it and uh this isn't that this is a uh i think it's still gonna be fun i'm sure it's still gonna have lots of laughs but it is a celebration of the the hobby so i'm very excited for this podcast to drop 
I'm also uh, sleeping with the host, so uh, I'm be a little biased there. But oh my god, I think it's going to be great. The drama. I know. <laughs> <laughs> it's my fiance. Oh gosh, uh, guys, I love him. We love that hot drama. You guys should definitely listen to it for that hot tea. You never know what will happen. Oh yeah, I mean that's true. Uh, <laughs> write fan fiction about about uh, where they may radio host. It'll be great. Do um, it. We want to give a huge thank you to Bristol Podworks for our intro and for also being our producer. Go hit them up if you want to start your own podcast and give them money, and they will edit it to make it sound really good. And they're excellent. Uh, cannot recommend them highly enough. And I think that's uh, that's everything. Ryan. So Ryan? at the end of the episode, yes, I'm here. I'm alive. Oh, you're here. Um, <laughs> I guess you usually say, "How do we end the show?" I was waiting for I my cue. No, but I was, I was, I was trying to do like a cue. like a Ryan, and I wanted you to be like, "Aye, aye, Captain." Uh, I don't aye, know. aye, Captain. Oh boy, uh, thanks, Ryan. Oh, this role anytime, play. buddy. I know, um, <laughs> Joe. Play. We only get steamy yeah. when you're here. <laughs> well, yeah, I'm happy you know, to come I'm back maybe. and get things steamy again. Listen, um, <laughs> anytime, anytime. You you were a delight. So we end the show by saying. As heard for the first time in this episode, of course, this is the way. Except it's not, because they're a weird cult. I know. Yeah, I, know. I don't I don't know if I want it to be the way. I know, this is a way, but yeah, you there, have a choice. There are many ways, and find the way that works best for you. Yeah. And don't let anyone else tell you what your way should be. You know, if, yeah. if you want to uh i don't know do some weird some weird stuff and that's your way that's fine as long as you're not hurting nobody yeah 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 i respect try, your way yeah try yeah. butt stuff yeah like <laughs> give it a shot maybe Obviously. you'll really like it maybe you won't but that's fine what else are you or, doing? just try or you know the way is subjective it try pot yeah. once <laughs> just once maybe you'll really dig it maybe you won't but that's fine if it's not for you yeah just, just get out there and experiment. Yeah. Have a good time. Be safe. Make good choices. Yeah. Or don't. I'm not your dad. Right. Yeah. Let the bad choices be educational experiences. Right. You know, the you greatest teacher failure. Is. Period. Yeah. Where they may radio.